Well, good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Welcome those joining online as well as those joining in-house today. Let's sing this old hymn of the church. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face. standing. We're going to ask the ushers if they would to come at this time. And uh, they're going to help us this morning receive our tithes and offerings this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for your love, your mercy, and grace. Lord, we thank you that we have the promise, assured hope 
one day being able to look upon your face and be together with you in heaven on those streets of glory. Father, Lord, we pray for the offering that we are about to take, the tithes and offerings. Lord, we pray for those that have to give and those that do not have to give. And there is someone here today that is not able to give. Lord, we pray that you would bless them at some point so they could give back to you. Lord, and bestow the many benefits you bestowed upon them back to the advancement of your kingdom. We pray you'd bless the gift and the giver. And we pray that you would use all of this we are to take today for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And forever we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Will you come to this morning as well as meet and greet today? morning and a uh, couple things I want to make mention to you those getting ready to come lead scripture and prayer can uh, go ahead and be getting their stuff together to make their way uh, but a couple requests I want to bring to your attention this morning uh, before uh, we go to the Lord in prayer uh, continue to pray for sister Barnes uh, and her family uh, many of you probably got the memo or the message uh, over the last uh, week uh, Wednesday uh, that her brother went home to be uh, with the Lord uh, so uh, obviously Brother Barnes is here, but Sister Barnes and them are still uh, dealing with all of the stuff that ensues with that. So continue to pray for uh, her as well uh, with that. We also um, uh, have um, just a lot of people today that have called for various reasons that are just crud, you know, croup, crud, whatever you want to call it. They don't have, you know, COVID or anything like that. But this morning, that's why he's not here today. He's got some kind of, you know, cold and crud and sinus drainage. 
things like that. Uh, many others have called as well. Uh, Sister Patricia Lambert threw out her back, and so she's kind of down right now uh, with her back right now and messed up with that. So she is not able to, to really drive and to, to, to do what she needs to do. Uh, and, and just so many others that just have reached out and said, can you please pray for us? I mean, the list is endless. I, I don't want to take up the majority of the time, but there's just a long list of people that are that are just battling something today. You know what? But I, I firmly believe that God is uh, He's still in control. Amen. And uh, even though they may not be here, doesn't mean he can't go there. And, uh, and so we, are, we want to make sure that uh, when we go to the Lord in prayer that we kind of um, make sure that we uh, keep those people in our thoughts and our prayers. Uh, today, I'm going to ask those lead scripture and prayer if they will come this morning. They're going to come lead us in scripture and prayer immediately following scripture and prayer. Uh, Miss Lila Faye will be coming around to lead us in our special selection today. God bless you today. Praise the Lord. I'm going to keep it short. Um, Hebrews chapter 13, looking at verse 15 and 16. Sort of went along with my lesson, giving God praise and offering the sacrifice of praise. He said, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips. Giving thanks to his name. Verse 16, but do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. I know we all want to be pleasing to the Lord. So uh, we see his word, his instruction. Um, let's give him praise. Let's pray at this time. Father, again, we're thankful, Lord, to be in your house. Thanks for your love and mercy and grace as always. Father, we pray, Lord, that you continue, Lord, to touch your people, Lord. Lord, we come here today, Lord, to lift up your name, to give you honor, and to give you praise. Father, touch those that are sick in their body, Lord, as well. And Father, I pray that you bring them back, or that they might be a part of this congregation, loving you, Lord, giving you praise, giving you honor. Again, we love you, thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
got burdens hard to bear, so I've kept you in my prayers. I've been calling on your needs to be supplied. Oh, to fix what troubles you, that's just what my God loves to do. And that's why heaven's already been notified. Oh, I have touched his throne before. My prayers have knocked on heaven's door. My faith has never, never been, never been denied. thankful that the Lord already knows what you have need of. He didn't, he's not caught off guard. He already knows. And so we thank the Lord for that. We're going to ask you to stand all over the house. And uh, obviously every week we pick songs. We don't know what our special singers are going to sing per se until they tell us closer to the end of the week. We've already rehearsed, but we're going to sing an old uh, praise chorus of the church that just says, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we have the victory. Who can tell what God can do? Who can tell of his love for you? In the name of Jesus, we have the victory. And that's what we already know heaven is. Sister Lila said it's been notified. Now we can just believe in the name that's above every name. Amen. The name of Jesus. So let's worship the Lord this morning.
Yeah. 
glorify the name of the Lord. You are worthy, Lord, to be praised. Lord, we ask that you would inhabit the praises of your people. Lord, we know today that we are in this house and gathered in your house and in your name because you loved us. And you sent your son to die on the cross. And Lord, so we decree and declare as we get ready to sing this anthem of worship that we know beyond a shadow of doubt there is a God that still loves us and knows everything that we're going through. And so, Lord, that is our cry today. Lord, we ask that you would inhabit the praises of your people as they are uplifted before the throne of heaven. In Christ's name we pray. Jesus, we pray.
Catholic Church. Isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? We know all the world can come to Him to have their sins removed. For isn't the name, isn't the name of Jesus wonderful? Oh, let's declare it's a beautiful name. For isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? Oh, do you believe the name of Jesus? Isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? For he's the Son of God. He's the Son of God and one of us. He's the lover of our soul.
See, I, I know there are a lot of people here today that uh, wish they could be in service. They wish that they could be a part of service. The problem is they can't. The reality of it is you can. And, you know, I have often thought of this before when I have been places and uh, thought about certain things. I've heard people say it before, and it didn't really ever register with me. I guess as a kid, you became, I don't say immune to it, but you heard it so much, you didn't really know what to, to believe anymore in terms of that. 
But my dad used to always say, and other pastors all used to always say, there's a lot of people in this world would love to trade places with you today. And I used to think all the time, no, they wouldn't. <laughs> They're at home. <laughs> They're not here listening to you preach. Who would do that? That's a glutton for punishment. No, they don't want to be here. They're the smart ones. The older I got, I started serving in other ministry uh, capabilities and faculties, traveled, went to different places. You start hearing stories of people. You start hearing stories of people battling cancers, battling serious. And I'm not trying to throw light on like people that have a sinus infection or people that have a cold. I'm not throwing light on that. But we're talking pneumonias and flus and cancer and things like that. And I used to think to myself, I wouldn't want that. You start a registry. I bet you they would trade places. They'd rather be in church than on a hospital bed or like my aunt in a rehab facility for neurological situations after her stroke, I can tell you my aunt would much rather be in church somewhere this morning than at Roper downtown in a neurological hospital. She's got a long way to go. God's been faithful, but she's still not completely out of the woods in terms of fully recovered. I can tell you, even with the faculties that she has now, if I walked in that room and said, hey, would you rather be in church than here? Oh, she this morning. There are others Patricia Lambert, Sister Ashley Harley has got debilitating migraines. She's at the ER with them right now. I was headed, I don't know if she's there now, but was going to be going there. Oh, I guarantee if you've never had a migraine, <laughs> you just don't know. I don't have them very often, but when I have them, they put me down. I mean, they are, they are bad. You hit so bad you think you need to go to the ER? That's pretty bad. I guarantee you church than being in a hospital too. I say all that you know guilt you. I don't want you to feel like I'm guilting you in this, but you know, sometimes I've said this before, it's not always in the shout, and I know that. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes God comes in still with small voices and quiet voices. And sometimes church services will run the aisles, and sometimes they very quiet and serene, serenity, and, and it has a serene effect or feel to it. And I want you to hear me carefully and not get offended by what I'm about to say. We are here. We had the ability to come to church today. April and Chris texted me right before church started for me and said, we're coming, but we got a flat tire. We're coming along slowly. We don't know if we'll get there. We're trying to get there. They made it. Praise God. I'm glad to have them. Some of y'all didn't have a flat tire this morning. Some of y'all didn't even have a sick child or a sick spouse at home. You came as a family today. Brought family with you today. Well, we get to the place that we just take for granted what God does. God didn't have to wake us up today. He did, though. He didn't have to. God didn't have to let us have the ability to come to church today. He did. God could have let us have migraines instead or got the flu or COVID or whatever. But he didn't, so today we are here. And I, I don't, and please don't, please hear the heart of this preacher and then we'll segue here in just a moment. Don't leave, band. We're going to sing that one more time. But if people like, and please do not get offended by this, asking, 
People like Mary Weaver can stand here battling cancer at church, and none of you have cancer. You should be able to praise God better than what we did today. Amen. Listen, I'm not, I'm not throwing shade on any other denomination. That's between them and God. We say we're Pentecostal for a reason. Now, if we, I have said this before, and please do not get mad when I say this, but if we're not going to be who we say we are, then we should take our sign down because we're telling the people we're giving them the wrong impression of what they're walking into. You say, well, Pastor, you're saying we should just be running around speaking in tongues all the time? No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if this is the, if you truly felt like we gave God the best praise we could give today, then I'm disappointed. Because the sign when I drove in the parking lot this morning said Santee Circle Church of God and it had a cross and a flame. Now listen, I'm not knocking other churches who change it to, you know, this or that or the other or community center or whatever else and take the logo off the sign. That's between them and God. Well, when people drive by this church, they see a cross, they see a flame, and they identify that as, as a place of life. They identify that as a place of the Spirit of God with freedom. And they may not know a lot, but they, that Church of God emblem gives the indication we come to have church when we come to church. And if this is the best product we have, then so be it. But it would be a little disappointing because, I, Brother Larry, I've been in the church here before where it's been better than this today. Now, I know some of us are sick. I get that. But you don't think God can heal us even here today? Amen. He can heal us right here in church. He can heal those watching online right now. God's no respecter of persons. And the reality of the fact is this. I'm not asking you to run around and go crazy. That's not what I'm asking you to do. What I am here saying, though, is if you really, 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 really listen to the words of what they, this worship team literally just sang to you, even if it doesn't make you want to run or jump or whatever it is, the words alone should have stirred something in your heart. I mean, we, we sang three different verses, but I mean, this verse alone should have just made you just feel Jesus. Even if you didn't want to believe, isn't the name of Jesus beautiful? That's eh, okay, you know, whatever. That's your prerogative. Even if it was Jesus' name is powerful, you know, if you don't want to believe that, you know, so be it. You know, you can believe what you want. That's your prerogative. But getting past his name being beautiful, getting past his name being powerful, being past there's freedom, and that should have made you excited. There's freedom in the name, salvation in the name. When it's all stripped down to the nuts and bolts of this song, I mean, when you strip it all down to the framework, the bottom line, isn't the name of Jesus really all we need? I mean, isn't that all we need? You don't need, and I, I'm probably going to get censored, but you don't need Joe Biden, church. You don't need Donald Trump. You don't need Kamala Harris. You don't need Ron DeSantos. You don't need any politician that you can think of. You don't need Michael Locklear. Hello, preacher. Amen. You don't need Dwayne uh, uh, Lewis leading the sheriff's department. I'm not saying he's not a good job. I'm saying you don't need him to protect you. Not that we don't need those people, but we have God on our side. If God be for me, who can be against me? I'm not saying we don't need medical personnel. I'm not saying we don't need police officers. Don't go out here and say need the sheriff anymore. No, no. What I'm saying is people put too much stock in other people when all we really needed to put our faith in is in Jesus Christ. Amen. That's who we should have put it in. Nobody else can save you but Jesus. Nobody else can deliver you but Jesus. Nobody else can set you free but Jesus. Nobody else can bring about a way where there seems to be no way but Jesus. Nobody else can do what Jesus does. Nobody. Listen, I'm not here to tell you who to vote for in November. I'm just telling you that's the name you better know how you do. You better know that name. 
That Bible said, that my Bible says that is the name above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is God to the glory of God the Father. Nobody else gets that but that name. That's that name. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And then we'll move on. But I'm not asking you to do it for you. I'm asking you to do it for me because I want to do it. And my name's on the sign right now. So we're going to sing this verse again. Because I could be dumb, blind, deaf, and stupid, but I think if just one person leaves this place today and really lets this resonate in their heart, it'll change the trajectory not only of this week, but the rest of their lives if they really believe what they're singing this morning. He is all we need. Is in the name of Jesus all we need? Nobody else. Is in the name of Jesus all we He's the way. He's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God. Is in the name of Jesus all we need? Let's sing it one more time. Is in the name of Jesus all we need? Let's sing together. Is in the name of Jesus all we need? Is in the name of Jesus? Is in the name of Jesus all we need? He's the way, the truth. He's the way, the truth, the light. The only way to God is in the name of Jesus all we need. He's the way, the truth. So we sing, he's the way, the truth, the life, the only way to God is in the name of Jesus, all we need. So we sing in the name of Jesus, all we need. So we sing, is in the name of Jesus, all we need. Father, in the name that is above every name, that name called Jesus. Lord, I'm asking today, Lord, in the solemnness and serenity of this moment, that somebody would leave this place realizing the name of Jesus is all they need. They don't need a preacher. They don't need a singer. Lord, while you use us, and we appreciate you letting us be a part of your greater plan, but the name they need to know is Jesus Christ. That is the name. That's the name we're here to celebrate. That's why we gather in this place. That's why we come together. That's why we are in this house because that's the name that matters. That's his name. It's your name. The name of Jesus. God, we know there's freedom and salvation in the name, but it's still the name of Jesus. It's still the name of Jesus. Fathers, we get ready to break the bread of life this morning. God, I'm asking today that you would speak to our hearts. You let us hear from heaven. Hide me behind the cross of Calvary and help me to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it most today. Father, I will forever be eternally grateful and give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name. Take a coal from the altar of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may speak your words to the very best of my ability. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. In the body of Christ together, said amen. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Matthew. And book of Matthew, chapter number 10. 
while you're turning there, let me make a couple housekeeping items just to make you aware of. Don't forget, uh, Family Fest is coming up. Uh, we have a church work day on October the 22nd. It's going to be leading up to Pastor's Appreciation on October the 23rd. Uh, Pastor Bruce Fox will be coming in to speak. It's the speaker they have a lot. They have lined up for that week uh, for that immediately following service. Uh, we, we need to have you for about 10 minutes, five minute, two five-minute meetings. For the first five minutes, I need you to meet uh, with Miss Jeannie really fast. She needs to anybody, anybody that is planning on coming to Family Fest 2022 uh, on October the 30th, uh, she needs to know if you're willing to. We're having shirts made for you, and we just need to know your size. We're not going to keep you long. We just need to know your shirt size. We don't want you to get left out. So if you think you're willing to volunteer, help out, we just want to get your shirt size. You don't have to worry about it. We're going to take care of you. We just want to make sure we don't buy you an extra large if you're an extra small. You'll wear a dress. We don't want that. We want you to get the right size shirt. So please see her immediately after church right up here up front. As soon as she's finished in that five minute, Miss Jennifer needs to speak to all the ladies that are present, uh, if possible, to discuss uh, some of the, uh, if you will, details of past appreciation, just things that, that are involved. Because obviously there's going to be dinner on the grounds. There's a lot of moving parts. And she just wants to get you all on the same page so that everybody knows what's happening so we don't have a bunch of people go crazy around here. So please see those two ladies right up here up front. It'll be about 10 minutes total, two five-minute meetings, and that'll be the extent of it. Don't forget, parents, to get your kids today. Uh, we love them, but we'd like them to go home too. And so please take them home with you today as well. We've been in a series called Assignments. Our vision has been the reach, disciple, and pray, one person, one family, one community at a time. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to reach the lost with Jesus Christ and tell them who Jesus is. So that's been on our, our assignments today. We're going to continue that today. Matthew chapter 10, verse number 1, and then we're going to flip for 1 Corinthians chapter 3, but it will be on your screens today. To all our online guests, I apologize. To all our online guests, we want to welcome you to church today. And we're so honored to have you. Can we just give a hand of welcome to our online guests today? We thank you all for being here today. The 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits, and he cast them out to heal all kinds of sicknesses and various disease. Now these are the names of the twelve. The apostles are first Simon, who is also called Peter, Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot also which betrayed him. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, as carnal, but as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for until now you were not able to take it or handle it. Even now you still are not able to handle it. That was a nice little dig from the Apostle Paul. For you are still carnal. Where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I'm of Paul, and the other says, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? When then is Paul? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but it's God who gave the increase. So then neither he who plants anything or he who waters, but God who gives increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. They do this together. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are all God's fellow workers, and you are God's field, and you are God's building or temple. 
According to the grace of God which was given me as a wise builder, I have laid the foundation, and another will build upon it. But let each one take heed on how it is built. Don't miss that. A lot of people will try to build on the foundations of your life, but you better know who's the contractor building on your life. They don't all follow the same plan. For no other foundation can anyone lay except that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Let me tell you this morning, not everybody that comes by your life and builds on your life's foundation is there to help you. Sometimes they're there. They, they're on the wrong plan. They've got the wrong They're there to do damage, not to do good. you got to know who you're letting in. So today I want to talk to you on who's in your inner circle. Who's in your inner circle? Who's your people? We're going to talk about that today. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, help me preach the word of Jesus Christ. Not the words of Jonathan, but the words of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, hide me behind the cross. Let us not be hearers of this word only, but doers there likewise. We'll forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. And the body of Christ said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We'll try to get through as far as this as we can. So we've been on a series. For those of you that are just tuning in or just catching up or just came in from Florida, we are on a series today. I've been on a series called Assignments. We are talking about these assignments and what God has assigned for us to do. And I see there's a lot of folks here today that is probably uh, your first time, not necessarily with us in church, but since we started this. Some folks, you have your grandkids with you. Some of you got your kids with you. And so we want to just tell you kind of where we've been. But, but God has an assignment for every one of our lives. For the Bible says, for God has plans to prosper us, not to harm us, to give us hope in the future. God has a plan for us. He's, we're here on earth for a purpose. God has us here for a reason. And so the first week we were talking about the letter F. we got to find the lost people. we got to find people. And letter I a couple weeks ago for intercede. And I told you a couple weeks ago, by the time we finish this series, I will have literally spelled out the word for you, the word finish. F-I-N-I-S-H, the word finish. So we have, we have to find them, we have to pray for them. But today we're going to talk about the word network. Now, I heard one preacher say one time that if you're not networking, then you're not working. Because the reality of it is it's not about, you know, rubbing shoulders and smoothing people and running for political office. But the Bible says iron sharpens iron, but you have to have two pieces of iron. Think about that scripture. Iron sharpens iron, so a friend will sharpen a friend. You can't really sharpen a friend if you don't have a... Right. At least somebody gets it. Praise the Lord for children. You can't, you can't do it. you got to have somebody. Well, if you don't make... The Bible says he who has many friends must show himself to be friendly. you got to network with people. You may not always like people. Look, I don't like people sometimes. I, I often... <laughs> it gets myself in trouble. I'll go into Walmart or somewhere like that, and I'll start sneezing. Just... Somebody, whether it's perfume or dust or whatever, I'll sneeze. And inevitably, somebody will go, oh, God bless you. And I'll turn around and be like, yeah, I'm allergic to people. And their eyes are like this big, like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm allergic to people. They, they're floored. They're just standing there like frozen at peanut butter, don't know what to do. And I walk off, get my spaghetti sauce, and walk by, and they're still standing there going. You, you can't really get allergic to people, y'all. That's not really a diagnosis you feel that way sometimes. But the point is that, that, that we have to, the Bible says, in order to have friends, we've got to show ourselves to be friendly. 
Our, our day-to-day living, unless you're a hermit and don't ever come out, our day-to-day living have interpersonal relationships. We have bosses. We have coworkers. We have family. We have friends. We are always dealing with people. That's why human resources is like, you know, a really big job that everybody hates because they got to deal with people all the time, but they don't always get along, and then they have to be the one to say, you're fired. And it's like, but that's my friend who works in HR that fired me, and it gets kind of complicated. But it's all about networking. People do it all the time to be successful in business. They'll, they, you know, the guy that's a plumber realizes he's got a new up latest and greatest contraption that's going to take plumbing to a new height, but he needs a contractor that needs plumbing. So he networks with some general contractor building houses in Cane Bay and says, hey, man, don't give it to that guy. Hey, I'm your man for plumbing. I'm going to tell you, I come up with What is he doing? He's networking because he needs, he's trying to build that relationship. And so there is always in life this idea of networking. But I want you to understand something as we talk about who is in your inner circle. You cannot always attach yourself to everybody because some people are not the people you should stay attached to. You will learn, if you haven't already learned, that there will come a point in your life that not everybody that you started with on the journey will finish the journey with you. The Bible says that many people start the race, but it is not he who begins the race, but he who completes the race or finishes the race. Not everybody that was with you when you started out is going to stay with you on the journey. All your friends that used to go drinking with you, Lord, don't let me go here, but I'm going to go anyway. All the friends you used to drink with ain't going to want to hang out with you when you get saved and won't drink no more. That's good preaching. You gonna, people going to go by the wayside. All the people you used to, you know, you know, not necessarily this church, but when we talk about people universally, if somebody walks in this church and they're living in, in infidelity or they're living in sin or they're, they're having extramarital or even if they're not married, they're having relations outside of the confines of marriage, when they decide to go tell that person, by the church last Sunday, we're going to have to stop having our little rendezvous at, at the Holiday Inn Express. They're not always going to accept the other person. It's not always going to take that real well. They may walk out and they may leave because not everybody's going to walk with you for so, for so long. It just ain't going to happen. And it's interesting to me that your inner circle can say a lot about who you value and what you value. The people you align yourself with the most will tell a lot about who and what your values are, your value system. If you hang out with a bunch of thugs, you hang out with a bunch of, and I'm not saying low lives is a generic, I'm just using a generic term. Don't think I'm saying people are low lives. I'm using just a blanket statement. You hang out with people who have no ambition, no ambition to get a job, no ambition to work, no ambition to pay taxes. You know what people are going to think about you? You have no ambition in life. You almost are, the old adage, you're guilty by association. They're going to almost assume just by who your inner circle are. That's why I hang out with old people, because I like to sleep too. I want to be associated with that. I'm okay with that. I also like hanging out with old people because they're retired, and that gives me hope that one day so will I be. So I like hanging out when people say, oh, Pastor, you know, little 70- or 80-year-old person invites me to dinner and says, oh, Pastor, you want to come by the house for dinner? Yes, I would. I don't want to cook. I would love to come. I would love to. Pastor, do you want to meet us at King's Pizzeria? Yes, I would. I don't even know what it is, but let's go. Pastor, do you eat sushi? Not sure I will, but I'll try it if you're buying. Let's go. See, I, 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 you, because food is important to me. Now, you know, some people, I like sports. So I hang out with a lot of coach basketball. I hang out with a lot of sports people. That's my inner circle of people. I remember the story of a guy. Most of you are not going to know this guy. If you do know this guy, then then kudos to you. But but and and 
not really that famous of a person. I mean, you really got to do some research on this guy to find anything about him. But I ran across him the other day and, and some research and studies. And, uh, and if you've heard about him, I would love to hear more about what you know about him because there wasn't a lot of information. But a guy by the name of Walt Disney, uh, he's not really that famous. Uh, he He's uh, kind of a low life, not really much of anything. You know, he only has like some multi-billion dollar industry in Florida and California and Japan and China and around the world. He doesn't know that, but he paid for it to start out with. But Walt Disney, the infamous man that he's not, was not always the Cracker Jack that we see when we start thinking about Disney today. Walt Disney started out with a very rough life, rough career. In fact, by his early young adult life, 20s and 30s, he went completely bankrupt, lost everything he had. He literally left, when he went bankrupt, he left the job that he was working to head out to the Midwest. He left with a 40, $40 in his pocket. That's all he had to his name. And had nothing else. No job, no anything, kind of $40. He lost the rights to the first character he ever created. His first character that he ever created was Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Anybody know who Oswald the Lucky Rabbit is? Anybody? Yeah, well, if you do, that's great. Most of you may not know who it is because, well, Oswald didn't make it so well. That silly rabbit got caught by Elmer Fudd. It didn't make it very far. He didn't get bugs, but he got Oswald, and uh, he found him. So he didn't make Oswald, he lost the rights to it. His company he was working for kind of swindled him out. And when he tried to get, when they kind of let him go and things happened, they said, well, we own the right to Oswald, even though it was his idea. And, and anyway, he lost it all. So he started trying to figure out what to do. And so he came up with a new guy and it took a couple of years. But he, he always thought that he always wanted to have another character and a cartoon. And it was, the film industry was beginning to get bigger and bigger and and they were doing, you know, kind of like silent films and things like that. But they were starting to, to do some other things and, and, and add some kind of like animation and cartoon type stuff and those different things like that. So he created a guy by the name of Mortimer. Mortimer the Mouse. Mortimer the Mouse, he went, he pitched this idea to his people and they said, ooh, yeah, well, Mortimer just sounds so just... I don't really get behind that. They said, you got any other ideas? He said, yeah, my, one of my friends said I should call it Mickey, but how stupid is that? And they said, we like that one. Well, as you may or may not know, Mortimer didn't last very long, but the guy named Mickey, a little more friendly, he survived. And so to end up saving face, Walt Disney decided to make Mortimer Mickey's evil cousin, Mouse. That would be all his negative side of things because he still wanted Mortimer. So he created it and had it. Happy Mickey and miserable Mortimer. And some people are the miserable Mortimers of church, but some people are happy Mickeys. We have them all, all the time. But he had these, this character. And Mickey Mouse, as you know, forever changed the face of his career. The industry. In fact, Mickey Mouse made his grand debut in a black and white film, the first cartoon and first speaking cartoon film in a movie called Steamboat Willie. 
Mickey Mouse made his first appearance. Mickey Mouse. And now a phenomenon. You could you don't even have to put you can just put ears on a screen without his face, and people can identify the ears of Mickey Mouse. But Walt Disney, when he got into the career and he was beginning to die with cancer from smoking, he never saw Disney World ever. He already had plans drawn. He he bought the fields and the, the many acres that are in Florida now where it now sits. He bought it all, but he never saw one coaster. He wanted to always build this, this family-friendly themed park. And trust me, what you see today of Disney is not what he stood for and is not what he wanted. What his idea, if you go back and research him, his ideas of life was not what you see Disney today. It, he would roll over in his grave if he saw what has happened. But But he never saw the fruition of his efforts. In fact, right before he died, he said teamwork will make the dream work. And when he formed and fashioned his Disney team to launch this amusement park family-friendly thing, he had studied business, he had worked in all these different businesses, and he did not call them employees. He called them Imagineers. He never wanted them to be negative. He called them Imagineers. He literally blended the idea of imagination and engineering together. And this is why. He said, no one that works for me is ever allowed to say that won't work or that is impossible. For whatever your mind can think and comprehend and dream of can one day become your reality. When he said that, somebody took the idea of that statement and wrote one of the most iconic Disney-themed songs that says, when you wish upon a star, the dreams that you wish will come true. All from a statement Walt Disney made said, whatever you think, dream of, and comprehend, it can become reality. He kept his employees around him as imagineers and animators and all these different things because he wanted to create a product, a product that the world would identify. But he surrounded himself... In fact, one story was told that Walt Disney had a meeting with some of his executives, and one guy walked in there and said, presented this big, grandiose idea, and somebody on the board said, that is the dumbest thing. There's no way. We don't have the money to do that. And immediately, the story says Walt Disney swiveled in his chair and looked at the guy and says, leave your pen, leave your paper, leave your pencil. You're fired. Get out of my office. Like that. And everybody froze into the room. And the guy left Walt Disney, looked to the guy that came up with the craziest idea and said, you know what, it probably can't be done, but you at least are thinking outside the box and you're trying. He wanted people to think. He wanted them to be outside the box. He wanted. He did not want people to come into his inner circle to tell you, I can't, I can't, I can't. He wanted people to believe, I may not know how to do it, but I believe it can be done. Can I tell you, God said the same thing. Walt Disney wasn't the first thing. We, the devil wants to tell us, I can't get out of this mess. I can't get out of this hell hole. I can't get my marriage right. I can't get my children to behave. I can't find a good church to go to. But the Bible tells me that the things that seem impossible with man, the Bible said God says all things are possible with God. I came by to tell somebody this morning, you got to know who's in your inner circle. If you have negative people, then you're going to surround yourself with negative people. You're going to become negative. If you surround yourself with people, you'll become bitter. If you surround yourself with gossipers, you'll become a gossiper. But if you surround yourself with Holy Ghost-filled people and spiritual people and happy people and joyous people, you'll walk in the Spirit. You'll live like the Spirit. You'll have the fruits of the Spirit. Your inner circle speaks volumes of the trajectory of your life.
your inner circle. So I quickly want to just give you the first point of this, this message, and we'll pick up the rest of it at a later day. You have to be selective with whom you align. Everybody cannot be in your inner circle. Let me say that again for, for those of you that didn't catch what I just said. Some of y'all are still celebrating South Carolina beating Kentucky last night, and you stayed up too late. There is still miracles, y'all. If you don't believe in miracles, they happened last night. I was thinking to myself, uh, side note, I was thinking to myself last night, as you know, Sister Barnes' uh, brother passed away. He was an avid. They called him Pookie. Uh, but Brother Lambert was an avid Gamecocks fan, but he lived with Brother and Sister Barnes' daughter, Julie, who is a Clemson fan. I mean, her cups have Clemson decor all over them to the house and says, I can't stay. There's kind of some kind of spirit that's hindering me from being here. I feel some kind of spirit in the room. I said, you got to put that cup away. I can't stay. And she just laughed and she said, you, you're a different preacher, aren't you? I said, something like that. But but she she found this chair, a, a, a Carolina Gamecocks chair, and she sent me a picture of it. And I sent her, you know, the big, you know, cocky, the Gamecock, thumbs up or whatever with it. And and I said, you should sit in it for, for your uncle's sake, just as a memento of his life. And she said, not happening. I'll sit in an orange chair, but I'll never sit in a chair that looks like that. I'll stand and let my feet go numb before I sit in that chair. And so we were talking about that. And so last night, I, I uh, of course, you know, I'm a loving pastor. And I always want to do the very best I can to love people. I texted her and I said, how about them Gamecocks tonight? She never replied back. I don't know what that means. But you have to be selective with whom you align. Now, obviously, she and I have differences of opinion when it comes to sports teams. But that doesn't, just because we differ in our sports team, that doesn't affect the quality or character of who she is, maybe as a person or whatever. There, there are, the people in your inner circle don't always have to agree with you. They just have to have the same mission you're on. See, if the people in your circle are all trying to get to heaven, you may all the nuts and bolts in common goal, then you're all working and saying, but you can't be pulling in opposite directions and expected to go somewhere. All of the tensions and the pulley system, all of it have to be pulling together in harmony to make the wheels keep going. you got to have them all pulling. If one decides, you pull, I'm going to sit down for a while. That's not going far. They all have to help each other. And the reality of it is, it's the same way in our spiritual journey. Just because I may not, you know, just because I lived in Somerville and, you know, we were the Somerville Greenways and we always beat Berkeley every year when I was in school. And just because Coach John McKissick is the all-time winningest football coach and just because we had the most state championship than anybody in the state and just because we always seem to beat Berkeley and Fort Dorchester and Stratford and Goose Creek and all of the other schools that you guys support around here, go Green Waves, just because we're better doesn't change that we can't have have a connection or relation. Just just because some, you know, I see it all the time. People gravitate. People who can fix cars, they hang out with people. They like to talk about with people who fix cars. They sit there and create a conversation. They'll all be talking about this pulley and that and this plug and this drain filled plug and all that. They'll be sitting there talking and I'm sitting there going, this is, this is fun? This is entertaining? This sounds like purgatory. Let's talk about something else. Like my car blows up and it's got engine lights flashing everywhere and it dies on the side of the road. I call Dennis, Brother Dennis and Brother Henry and say, y'all got to go pick me up. My car died. I don't know what it's doing. Well, Pastor, what's happening to it? I don't know. A bunch of lights came off and it said ejecting in five, four, three. I didn't know my car had an ejection button. I didn't even know. I felt like a fighter pilot. I mean, it was just gonna, I was just going to leave the car with it. I don't know that stuff. 
see, I have, I've learned that I may not know how to fix a car, but if I have a relationship with people like Brother Dennis or Brother Henry or Brother Larry or, or others, different things I may not be strengths in. If I have my like, self-aligned people, I have people in my circle that can help sharpen in my skills. I can sharpen their skills. But they can, we can help one another in various things. There's a lot of things. I, if you asked me to plant the flowers at this church, they would die before I even got the dirt in them. They'd look at me and go, not today, Satan, and die. Miss Brenda over here can go over there and look at him and say, I, in the name of Jesus, you better live. And that flower would go, good morning, sunshine. I'm like, how do you do that? I look at my wife told me the other day when I was outside cutting the yard, and she said, touch another plant, I'll cut you. I said, that's got to be pruned. She said, I'll prune you. You better leave my plants alone. I said, well, the one plant I did cut, it's still living, so take that. And I walked inside the house. felt good about myself. Then I went outside and said, is it still living? It looked like it was. That's a true story. The point to be made is just because I may not know how to do everything everybody else does doesn't mean I can't surround myself with other people who are sharper than I. But the reality of it is I also have to be selective who I stay attached to. Just because Brother Henry and Brother Dennis might know how to fix cars, so, so might Joe and Jack out there. But if Joe and Jack are on their way to hell and cussing up a storm and getting mad as soon as they hit their hand against the manifold of the, the engine block or whatever, and they're bleeping this and bleeping that, I don't want that to be my inner circle fixing my car. Doesn't mean they still don't have the qualifications, but I don't want to go to dinner with those guys because I don't want that kind of life to be around mine. You can have differences in opinions in your circle, but you have to not be. A, once you get saved, some things have to change. That's the whole purpose of salvation. That's the whole purpose of being, if you will, walking in holiness. And, you know, God forbid, I know this is a taboo word in the church. We can't say it because people get all offended. But that's what sanctification is designed to do, to set you apart from the people you used to hang out with. You're supposed to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. You can't still go to the bar. You can't still smoke what you smoke. You can't still drink what you drink. You can't still curse what you used to curse, uh, curse at. You can't still sleep with who you used to sleep with. you got to get out and be different from that stuff. It happens. See, Jesus selected Matthew chapter 5. Jesus was very selective. He picked 12 guys. He had a lot of other people. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks. He had a lot of other people, but 12 guys stayed with him. Paul told the church at Corinth, we read that today, that they were selected to be a part of God's kingdom. However, Paul had to keep feeding them milk because he couldn't afford to give them the meat of the word because every time he did it, it was like blowing their heads up. And he was like, you guys are too flesh. Y'all can't even get off the bottle long enough for me to give you the meat. He was like, you're still in a spiritual nursery, if you will. Look, I don't have time to preach it because of the time of the hour. But I just want to let you know that the church only churches should only have one nursery. And that should be from birth till about three or maybe two and a half to three. After three, we really shouldn't be having nursery. Say, Pastor, what are you talking about? I'm not talking about children's church. I'm talking about the sanctuary. It'll catch, somebody will catch that here in just a minute. I expect Hadley to act a certain way. She's, she's two. One and a half, two. How is she, two? Two? I don't even know now. One and a half. Two is close enough. I expect a, a time or two, a temper tantrum, or I expect her to not be happy about her own way. Or, but she's two. I don't expect 60-year-olds or 70-year-olds or 80-year-olds to act like a two-year-old. Boy, you got quiet. I must have not went to a Pentecostal church. God, I went to them. I went, I went off script. God, if I had the right church. 
I'm not saying anybody. I'm talking about universals. I don't think I'm singling people out in a church. I'm saying I've been to churches where I saw grown people act like crazy people. Just grown folk go nuts. I'm thinking, you're supposed to be saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues, and you're acting crazy. God is not the author of that. God's not the other. What's wrong with you? I didn't always say that, but in my head, I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? There should, should be a point where we come off of milk and we eat meat. The Bible instructs us to be wise as serpents, harmless as do- I mean, wise as a serpent and harmless, if you will, as a dove, very gentle in our demeanor. The most important aspect regarding networking is the centrality of who you put on the team. You can network, but if you network with the wrong people, you're going to go out of business. You better make sure you network with people who uh, have a chance at success in your life. I believe that's why God gave us the gift of discernment. Sometimes God wants us to pray, and he will put a chalk on the wheel, or he will say, hey, wait, 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 wait. Let's don't let's don't let's don't go in that partnership with them. There's there's let's don't go in that. Let's don't let's don't do that. He will sometimes tap us on the shoulder and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it's our warning. Discernment. Miss Carol, you make your way. See, many people can put on a good front, but God can peel back layers that no man can see. God can remove scales from one's eyes. God can really show the true makeup of the people of whom we are aligned with. You may not see all their down and dirty, but the Bible says there's nothing hidden from the eyes of the Lord. He sees every... That's why discernment is so important. That's why people should pray to God. If they didn't get any other spiritual gift or spiritual discipline, they should have. They should pray to God, God, please give me the gift of discernment because that will save you from headache and jobs, save you in headaches of taking certain jobs, save you headaches and getting in relationships with certain people. You could save yourself a lot of heartache if God you were on the same page discerning the time, signs of the time see the number 12 that Jesus chose those 12 men it's not a coincidence 12 was used all throughout scripture and then I'm done we'll pick up the rest later 12 was a sign of perfect completion it was a governmental number it symbolized God's absolute power and authority if it's found all over scripture for example there were 12 tribes of Israel governmental number there were 12 disciples there are 12,000 represented from each tribe prize of the 144,000 salvations at the great tribulation in Revelation chapter 7 12,000 from each tribe Revelation 7 a set of 144,000 which is 12 times 12,000 is also the same number that will be taken from the earth to serve and follow the Lamb of God in Revelation 14 Number 12, Revelation 14. In Revelation chapter 12, John the Revelator describes the bride of Christ, which we know is to be the church. The church gets told in Revelation 12 that they will wear a crown containing 12 stars. Governmental number. The New Jerusalem, which is, in, which is heaven, brought down to earth by God himself, the Bible says it contains 12 gates. Each one comprising of a single pearl. So you've got 12 gates, one pearl per gate, but a big pearl that's each gate. But 12 big gates of pearl, each one are manned by 12 angels. One angel at each gate. And over those gates, you've got 12 gates of pearl, 12 angels manning. And over each gate are listed the 12 tribes of Israel. You can find that 
in Revelation as well. The walls of heaven are 144 cubits high, 12 multiplied by itself, Revelation 21, 16 through 17. The city as described as being 12,000 furlongs long or squared, 12,000 furlongs squared. A furlong is about 220 yards, so that's where you hear people talking about heaven being 1,500 square miles long. Twelve represented the church. So, Pastor, why'd you give us all these numbers? We'll pick up the rest of this in the subsequent weeks. I'll tell you why I gave you all these numbers. Because nothing God does is by coincidence, it's by design. God does not sit up in heaven. Now, sometimes I fly by the seat of my pants. Sometimes I just make a decision and just I'm living off the moment, if you will. God doesn't do things happenstance just by the seat of his pants. Like, yeah, I don't know. God does design. God design. He didn't make you by coincidence. Psalms 139 says, Before he knit me together in my mother's womb, he knew me, before I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He planned that thing out. I'm here to tell you his, we'll pick up the rest and talk about the other things. But your inner circle is essential to your destiny, if you will, or your, 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 your journey of life and where you're headed. It will affect everything. You hear me very carefully. I'm not here to make you feel bad. But you have to be, I have to be, you have to be, we have to be as a church. In a day-to-day living, we have to be selective on who we let in and who we align ourselves with. Because some people are not here looking out for our best interests. Some people are here to take from us, use us, abuse us, stomp us, try to kill us, destroy us. Not everybody's got your best interest at heart. I'm sorry, they just don't. Look, I don't believe nothing that comes out of Washington. You, you can. You can do what you want to. I don't believe nothing comes out of Washington. Not because I think everybody in Washington are bad people. It's just they've given us a bad rap so long, I don't know who to believe anymore. So I trust Jesus. That's the whole reason we sang about this morning. Isn't the name of Jesus all we need? Because if I trusted on what I see going on in the world right now, I'm in trouble. So thank God Jesus is coming back to take me home one day. And I ain't got to worry about this but for so long. Your inner circle speaks volumes. If you're a viewer of you, if you have aligned yourself with people that are not looking out for your best interests, they're not pushing you closer to Jesus, and they're not trying to get you to heaven along with them, you need to find a new circle to be in. If your circle of influence is not praying, maybe occasionally fasting, goes to church, worships God, if your inner circle doesn't try to, even if y'all agree to disagree, if your inner circle doesn't try to get you to heaven you're in the wrong circle because that circle is going to take you somewhere you don't want to go you better know whose circle you're in so I'm going to tell you right now there's going to be a lot of people one day and then I'm going to pray there's going to be a lot of people one day going to stand before God and they're going to think everything's okay they're going to walk up there their back perfectly erect they're going to walk right up to the pearly gates look at St. Peter and say hi I'm Joe Smith Peter's going to go, who? Joe Smith. Who? He's going to walk right there. Jesus is going to come and stand there. And they're going to look at him. And they're going to stand there and be like, Jesus. 
Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I don't know you. I don't know you. There are going to be a lot of people, they've been in a circle, they're in a circle, is they don't even realize it, but they're going to be led astray. And one day they're going to have this eye-opening experience where they're going to realize it was too late. My job is to tell you as this body and for you to be praying for for your children, your grandchildren, or even if somebody here today feels that way, my job is to tell you if that if your circle is not taking you to heaven, my job is to warn you, get out of that circle now while you got a chance and get into a circle that's trying to take you to heaven with them one day. Get in the right circle, the circle of faith, the circle of hope, the circle of joy. Get in the right circle. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to ask this and then we'll segue to dismissal. Is there anybody here today that would just simply raise their hand by and answer this question and say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. Maybe, maybe you say, yeah, I'm in the wrong circle. Maybe you could say, I need to get a better circle. Maybe you can say, I just need God to help me in my life. I just need 